Good day, and welcome back to Latin 2 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we are going to explore the grammatical principles contained in Unit 23. But before doing that, I have an important announcement to make about the class. As you may know, Latin 1 class started at the beginning of the book and will be completing its units uh, up, to, up to unit number 13 very soon. As a result of that, we've decided that this unit, unit 23, will be our final unit of Latin 2 for the time being. Following this unit and the exercises that we will do normally during the week, and I will uh, submit another uh, audio tape doing those exercises, we will take a break um, as we move into the Lenten season. Uh, this break will last for a few weeks until uh, we get to Easter, and then a Latin three class will be initiated, starting with Unit 24 and pushing on to the end of the book. So once again, this will be our final unit for, for uh, several weeks coming. Um, you will have time to go back to catch up. Some of I've noticed that our attendance has slackened off a bit in these last few weeks. So some of our class needs to catch up to uh, uh, to Unit 23. Um, it'll give you time to catch up, to review, and to solidify the Latin that we've done thus far in the class. So remember that, and I'll, I'll make the announcement again. I'll reiterate this at the end of the lesson. But for now, let's turn to page 194, unit 23. And in this unit, we have several points of grammar. Um, another potpourri, uh, as is the, the modus operandi of Collins. Um, so let's dig in and take a look at the first thing that he presents. And this you've already seen. We talked about the subjunctive of the verb to be. Uh, the present subjunctive is characterized by the SI with the endings. So we have instead of sum SS, sum SS to sunt in the subjunctive, sim sis sit, sim sit sint. We've already seen that. Now going right with that conjugation of the verb sum is of course the verb posum. If you remember when you first learned posum, it was a combination of the Latin word potis, uh, P-O-T-I-S, which means powerful or being able, being strong, and sum, I am strong, I am capable, potis, I am powerful, meaning therefore I am able. And when we combined the root pot with sum, we assimilated the T to another S and we got posum, P-O-S-S-U-M. It is regular practice in Latin, Indo-European languages, that when a dental, a T or a D, uh, comes before an S, those two assimilate. If you say potsum quickly, potsum, 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 you see that that T sound, that dental, assimilates to the S sound. And that's how we get the double S. So, in the verb posum, I am able. In the subjunctive, it's just what you'd expect. It's pot sim, and those and that t uh, is assimilated to give you the double s. So we have posim, posis, posit, 
possimus positis possent. I am able. And that's the subjunctive form, the present subjunctive of the verb posso. Your other tenses of the subjunctive are formed as regular. Okay, that's fairly straightforward and quite simple. We move on now to something that's very important, and we've been flirting with this for several weeks. Now, Collins has given you some footnotes on these words, but uh, it's in, in due course, we finally arrived at learning some very important words in Latin, the demonstrative pronouns or adjectives, hic and ile. Um, the demonstrative uh, hic, hic, hoc, we go across, masculine, feminine, and neuter, is the word in Latin that generally means this. Uh, and ille, illa, illud is the word that generally means that. Um, these can be adjectives, and they will modify nouns in number, gender, and case. But like all adjectives, they can stand for uh, the subject or referring back to something in that particular gender. So, for instance, I can say, this book is good, and I would have to say, hic liber, this book. But then referring to it maybe later in the, uh, in the paragraph, I might say, this has the following characteristics, and we would just use the word hic. If I just use the word hic, it means this man. If I use hic, it means this woman. If I use hoc, it means this thing. And the same with ille, that. Ille, illa, illud. So there, take a look on the bottom of page 194. We have the full declension of hic, hic, hoc. And as I say, we, are, we generally learn these forms going across masculine, feminine, and neuter. Hic, hic, hoc, huius, huius. That J is really an I, right? It's a consonantal I. Genitive. Huik, huik, huik. Hunk, hunk, hok. Hok, hak, hok. Plural. He, he, heik. Horum, herum. Horum, harum, horum. He's, he's, he's. Hos, has. Heik. Yes, notice neuters are always the same. Nominative and accusative. And he's, he's, he's. So. Um, there you have the full declension. Notice it's kind of a combination of second declension uh, with some third declension characteristics. It's, uh, it's a, a rather odd declension. And what, what's going on there is you have in Latin, just so you know uh, linguistically what's happening, there is such a thing in Latin and in Greek and other uh, Indo-European languages called the deictic suffix. Deiknumi in Greek means to point out or to show. And the deictic suffix in Latin is C-E. Uh, and you see the C on the end of many of the words in this declension. And that's because that deictic suffix is the suffix that points out this here thing. And so uh, hic, hic, hoc is a pointing word, isn't it? It's a demonstrative in Latin. Demonstro means to show or to point out. Okay, so the, um, um, the, the cohort to, or, or the, the uh, compatriot of hic, hic, hoc is ille, illa, illud on the top of page 195. 
ile ila ilud ilius 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 ili 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 ilum ilam ilud ilo ila ilo. So again, you see a strange combination of declensional endings here. Uh, best just to uh, memorize these words because they're very common and very important in Latin. And the plural, ili, ile, ila, ilorum, ilarum, ilorum, ilis, 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 ilos, ilas, ila, mesla, right? And ilis, ilis, ilis. Very good. Now, there's a third demonstrative pronoun or adjective, and that is is, ea, id. This is an extremely important one because it can serve as an adjective, a weak sort of adjective that means either this or that, and it can modify a noun in number, gender, and case. But most commonly, this is used, this, this word is used as the third person pronoun in Latin. Remember when we learned our pronouns, ego, to, nos, vos, right? And, and we learned the first and second persons. We didn't learn a third person, and that's because there really is no third person. Latin uses this word, is, ea, id, as the third person. So when it stands by itself and is not modifying a noun, is, ea, id means he, she, or it. Um, you know, the id, right? We have the ego and the id, the I and the it. Uh, here in Latin, is ea id, and again we learn across. Is ea id, eus, 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 ei, 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 eum, eam, id, May's law number one, there it is, same, nominative and accusative, eo, ea, eo. And then ei, ea, ea, eorum, 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 eis, 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 eos, eas, ea, and eis, eis, eis. This is an extremely important word um, because, as I say, it will be used as the third-person pronoun. So now, um, when you want to say, I love him, you say, amo eum, I love her, amo eam, or I love it, amo id, right? And that's what, um, that's what word you will use for the third person. Uh, note that eus... Uh, in the genitive, an aorum uh, is, uh, as usual, uh, showing possession, and it means of his, or of him, of her, uh, of them, and uh, that will be used as a possessive. Okay, good. Now, that's an important word. You should study it, uh, commit it to memory, uh, and because you will see it very, very often in Latin. And there's one more word that's presented here as a demonstrative adjective or pronoun, and that's on page 196. Iste, ista, istud. And again, this word means this or that, but it can be used and is often used in, uh, in Latin, particularly in classical Latin, with a sort of contemptuous force. Uh, we say iste, that of yours. That's you know, that smirk of yours on your face, wipe it off, wipe off that smirk. Uh, and we would use in Latin, iste, that blank of yours. 
uh, it can uh, stand just by itself as well uh, and doesn't necessarily have to have that contemptuous force, but uh, it often does. And notice that it has the exact same endings as ile, illa, illud. Um, so these aren't difficult at all, um, but they're extremely important, as you can imagine, because just like in English, we use words this and that, these and those constantly, and so does Latin. Um, the other thing, again, to repeat is the is er, id um, uh, demonstrative is often used uh, as the third person la uh, pronoun in Latin, he, she, or it. And you will see it that way very often in Latin. So those are important. The, their full declensions are written out for you right there. And um, I'm sure you'll get quite used to them. Uh, and you'll see them in all of our exercises going forward. Now, uh, that's, that's a pretty, those are pretty simple points of grammar. Now we get into an, a few more uses of the subjunctive. There are plenty, I promise you. And um, we have uncovered several uses of the independent subjunctive. And in our last couple chapters, we've talked about the, some dependent uses of the subjunctive. For instance, purpose clauses and uh, relative clauses of purpose. Um, okay, so today we're going to learn a few more dependent uses of the subjunctive. And the first as presented here is the so-called result clause. Now, we have a purpose clause. We remember, let's remember that. Review it for a second. Um, I went to the store in order to buy milk. Uh, that's the purpose for which I went to the store. Um, a result clause, uh, the purpose clause, tells the purpose for which you did something uh, uh, in, the, in the main clause. A result clause uh, gives the result. It's an adverbial clause, uh, and it gives the result of an action in the main clause. Now, uh, again, uh, a friend of mine often called this the Johnny Carson clause. Those of you who are old enough to know who Johnny Carson was and who used to watch Johnny Carson, perhaps, uh, and for those of you who are younger, just uh, zone out for a minute because you won't have any clue about this. But Johnny Carson was a uh, nighttime host uh, who used to be on nighttime TV, a uh, very clever fellow, and he had an assistant who uh, hung out with him named Ed McMahon, and they had this bit, this comedy bit, and um, Johnny Carson would say something like, um, I was really hungry, and then Ed McMahon would say, how hungry were you? And Johnny Carson would say, I was so hungry that I ate five Big Macs or something like that. I'm just making that up. But the Johnny Carson Club, how hungry are you? I was so hungry that. And the result clause, uh, a friend of mine used to teach this and call it the Johnny Carson Clause because the result clause will often be tipped off by the main clause containing a word like um, Eta, Tom, Seek, 
which means so much, or tantus aum mortalis, of such a sort, so great, so thus, in this way. In other words, uh, I was so hungry that the result was I ate five Big Macs, right? That's the kind of clause this is. And in Latin, the result goes in the subjunctive according to the sequence of tense. Your chart that you learned last time, uh, I tried to drive it into your brains, and I will continue to do so. It's important. The result clause, like the purpose clause, like the purpose clause, uh, if you think about it, will be in, the, in its subordinate clause, time contemporaneous or time subsequent to the main clause because it's a result of the main clause. I was so hungry that the result was I ate five Big Macs, right? So let's take a look on the bottom of page 196. Uh, Collins gives us a few examples. Here's a very famous one. Deus mundum sic dilexit. Ut filium nobis darit. Ut is the uh, introductory word for a result clause, just as it was for the purpose clause. God so loved the world. He loved the world, seek, in such a way. Thus, he loved the world that the result was he gave to us his son. So you see, um, this, rather than showing the purpose, is showing the result of God's love. He loved us so much. He thus loved the world that the result was he gave to us his son. Take a look at the next one. Fidelis est justus est ut remita nobis peccata nostra. Now here we don't have a Q word, uh, tom and ita, a sick, a tantus, and so on. Uh, so look at it. He is faithful and just ut. So we have an ut. Now we say to ourselves, ah, is this a result or a purpose? He is, he is just and faithful ut so that he remits or forgives us our sins. Well, it's probably not a purpose, right? He is so just in order to remit our sins. No, it's the result of him being just. So we can say he is just and faithful such that, or the result, so with the result that he forgives us our sins. Okay, take a look at the next one. Pastor bonus, oves custodit ita ut non amitantur. The good shepherd guards the sheep ita in such a way, ita thusly guards his sheep in such a way so that they are not lost, with the result that they are not lost. Okay? So, the result clause, repeating, Introduced by ut, the negative, not by ne, but by ut known. Ut known. It could look like a purpose clause, but most commonly it will have a Q word, what I call a word or a hint word, a word that gives it degree, uh, gives, gives it away in the main clause. Something that talks about being in such a, such a size, such a sort, uh, so, thus, in this way. Um, something like that, like your practice sentences down there, 
uh, Deus Mundum, seek dilexit. He so loved the world. He loved the world in thus, uh, thusly or in such a fashion that the result was he gave to us his son. Okay, so that will be the cue. Sometimes, as I say, you will see an ut clause in Latin. It might not have that cue word in the introductory or main clause. So you'll just have to figure out is it a better is it better as a result or a purpose and sometimes it could be construed as either but you'll have to go by context but most of the time i'd say 80 90% of the time there will be one of those cue words or or some such expression to to give you the, the road map the road sign that ah here comes a uh, result clause now, uh, on, the page, on top of page 197, Collins also gives you um, what he calls a relative result clause. And again, this is fairly rare. I don't know even why he bothers with it here. But it is possible to, in this, uh, in this configuration, to replace the ut with a qui if it's a person, qui qua quod, just like we had the relative purpose clause. So look, he gives the same sentence. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Who might send his son? This is not very common in Latin. Um, you'll most commonly see a result introduced by ut. But this is a possibility. Okay. Now there's also an, another sort of subcategory of result. Uh, in the square box, they're called a substantive clause of result. And this is basically another noun clause of result. We talked about the just of noun clauses or the nouns, uh, the, the noun clauses that follow a command or an exhortation. Um, these are uh, these kinds of clauses are introduced primarily by words like facere and efficere to make, to do, to bring about. And if, and if you just saw that sentence there in the middle of the page in the box, you'd be able to translate it. Deus efficit. God brought it about. Ut, that. Hebrei, the Hebrews, mare transitit, cross the sea. Okay? So, um, uh, that's not very difficult. And then he points out that volo can take a subjunctive with or without ut. Um, at times. I want that you do something. Do you wish that I answer? Vultus respondeam. You could have said, and you will see in Latin also, vultus ut respondeam. You wish that I respond. And sometimes, of course, with volo, you'll see an infinitive. Do you want me, me respondere, to respond, respondere. So, uh, that's not a very difficult problem. Don't, uh, don't stress out over it and about this relative. Worry about just the result clause. It's an adverbial clause introduced by ut, negative ut, known, and um, usually cued in the main verb or the main clause by uh, an adverb such as seek or tom or ita or uh, an adjective uh, modifying something in a phrase like uh, of such a sort, cantus aum, so great of such a sort, talis. Tale. These are these are adjectives that are used. He was a man of such courage that he feared no one. That's the result, right? Something like that. So you'll be able to pick those out quite easily. Important point: it follows the same sequence of tense chart as the purpose clause did, and so you will be 
using in the primary sequence the present subjunctive and the secondary sequence the imperfect subjunctive. And then uh, finally in this chapter Collins presents one more use of the subjunctive and as I say there will be many more coming in our next iteration of class Latin 3 but for now as we end up this particular class in this unit the last use of the subjunctive that we will point out to you is what Collins calls a characterizing relative clause. Normally, grammar books call them the relative clause, these the relative clauses of characteristic, a relative clause of characteristic. Now, you know what a relative clause is, not a relative of Santa, <laughs> little joke. No, a relative clause is one that's introduced by a relative pronoun, qui qua quote in Latin, right? And that relative pronoun refers back to an antecedent in the previous clause. Uh, and that antecedent, remember, um, that relative pronoun in Latin will agree in number and gender with its antecedent, but take its use from the use in its own clause. Now, you know about relative clauses. And up until this point, we have used relative clauses that have stated a fact. Uh, I see the man who is running across the field. So I see the man, there's the main sentence, who is running across the field. There's your relative clause. And who is the relative pronoun, right? And it refers back to the man. I see the man who is running across the field. That's a definite person, and therefore we use the indicative. The indicative, of course, being the mood of certainty and factualness and indicativeness. Now, there is such a thing in Latin called the relative clause of characteristic. And that is used when the relative clause refers to the characteristic or a general characteristic of a person in the main sense. So when the antecedent is general, relative, negative, or giving a general sort of characteristic about that antecedent, then the relative clause verb will no longer be in the indicative, but it will go in the subjunctive, again, according to the sequence of tense chart. So these are um, relative clauses, which you have been doing for many, many uh, weeks, relative clauses, but their antecedent is either general, negative. For instance, there is no one in the world who believes this, right? Or who in the world is such a person who might believe such a thing? So you see why it's general? Or that fellow is the kind of person who might just do something like that. You see, it's giving a, a characteristic or uh, the antecedent is general, negative, or we're not quite sure. So we've moved into the realm of doubt and uncertainty, and that's why the relative clause, we use the subjunctive rather than the indicative. So let's take a look at a couple of the sentences uh, that he gives as an example. Paulus est qui in viis domini ambulet. 
Paul is the sort of fellow, qui, who walks in the way of the Lord. Notice qui ambulet. Ambulet is subjunctive. We here, a liar, friar, ambulo, ambulare, first conjugation. The E is the sign of the present subjunctive. So when we see that in Latin, we know that the author of that sentence is trying to talk about a general characteristic of Paul. He's not describing Paul as a factual, uh, in a factual act that happened, but he's giving a general uh, sort of assessment. Paul is the the fellow, the sort of guy who walks in the way of in the ways of the Lord. Now, if we wanted to say specifically, Paul is the guy qui who is walking on the sidewalk in front of me, we would use ambulat indicative because we would be expressing not a general characteristic but one that is identifying specifically paul paul is that guy who in fact is walking on the sidewalk there we would use indicative but when we want to express a general characteristic that's why we call it a relative clause of characteristic we use the subjunctive there paul is the sort of fellow who walks in the ways of the Lord. Um, notice that uh, the next sentence, Petrus era dinius qui apostolos duceret. Peter was the sort of worthy fellow who might lead the apostles. He was worthy, a worthy one being the sort of person that he was. He was worthy to lead the apostles. So that's a relative clause of characteristic. And I'm surprised that really Collins doesn't give you a few more examples using either a negative uh, or an indefinite um, phrase to introduce a relative clause of characteristic because that's much more common in Latin. For instance, there is no one in the world who would think this. You'd use a subjunctive in the relative clause. Or who in the world who is there who believes such a ridiculous statement who is there who in other words it, it's an it's a relative clause of characteristic it's talking about an indefinite or negative or unsure antecedent rather than a specific person and when we move remember from factualness and indicativeness to something more doubtful or uncertain we use the subjunctive so there we have it well, that concludes the grammar for Unit 23. So it's, uh, it contains, uh, 23 contains several important things. The demonstrative pronouns and adjectives are words that you will encounter every single time you open a book in Latin and start reading. Uh, so we have hic, hic, hoc, and we have ille, illa, illud. Remember the is, ea, id is the one uh, that can act as an adjective, uh, but most commonly is used as a third-person pronoun. And then we have iste, ista, istud, um, sometimes uh, expressing uh, this or that, but sometimes in a contemptuous way, that of yours, uh, that book of yours bothers me, or something like that, anything like that. Then we have two uses of the subjunctive. The result clause introduced usually in the main clause, 
containing a Q word like ita or seek or uh, uh, tom or the adjectives tantus or talis. Uh, I was so hungry that I ate five Big Macs, right? Um, that's the result clause. And uh, the relative clause of purpose, just like a regular relative clause, but an antecedent that is negative, indefinite, unsure, uh, or one that is talking about a general characteristic of the antecedent, that clause, instead of using the indicative, will go in the subjunctive. So there you have it. Now, for our homework, for our uh, work and drilling and exercising, let's do, on page 199, the short sentences in Roman numeral 2 on result clauses and the short sentences in Roman numeral 3 on relative clauses of characteristic, what Collins calls characterizing relative clauses. Most grammars and I call them relative clauses of characteristic. It doesn't matter. These are those, uh, and he gives you six examples. Let's do those. And then for your exercises, again, let's do the even-numbered exercises, 2, 4, 6, 8. And on our readings, um, he continues in number 2 with a short uh, cutting uh, that uh, continues the gospel, the, uh, the the last gospel or the the prologue in John's gospel. Um, I don't think we necessarily need to do that. I think it might be more fun for us to uh, read the entire Nicene Creed. Again, like the Gloria, you probably know this by heart if you go to Mass in Latin, but it might be fun just to go through it carefully in Latin to see how it's expressed in 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 the latin language so there you have your homework and again let me announce to you and remind you that unit 23 this unit will be our last unit for latin 2 uh, and that uh, hiatus will uh, occur here uh, in latin class for the next several weeks until we uh, approach easter you will be getting an announcement look for an announcement uh, probably both on the website and uh, in the St. Agnes uh, Bulletin or in the St. Agnes Portal about when we will resume with Unit 24 and following. Uh, we might call that Latin 3 class. So for now, um, I will post another audio recording uh, at midweek, and uh, that will be our final one. We'll go over these, uh, these assignments uh, on our drills and exercises and readings and um, wrap up our, uh, our Latin 2 class um, for the next several weeks. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to uh, drop me an email at may at stoloff.edu. Uh, I will be glad to answer them. And of course, that will go for the time uh, when we're waiting for Latin class to resume. Uh, you'll have several weeks uh, which to go back and review what we've covered perhaps you need to catch up i know that there are several of you who had to uh, fall off the last couple weeks and weren't able to keep up with the lessons this will give you a chance to catch up uh, to review your latin and to formulate any questions and during that hiatus during that off time if you have any questions certainly drop me an email 
and I'll be glad to uh, correspond with you and answer anything I can. And it would be a good time to go back and do some of the exercises and drills that we didn't actually cover on our tapes, but are there for your uh, further uh, enjoyment and edification. So, uh, without further ado, we'll call, uh, we'll say goodbye uh, today and look for another recording going over our, our uh, exercises uh, at midweek. As always, I wish you uh, a great day and a great week. Take care and bye-bye.